Welcome to the Rundown New Music Podcast, episode number five. Today I'm joined by Graham Hanlon, one part of the Solid Bond. Hello, Graham. Hiya, how are you doing? I'm not too bad. Yourself? Aye, good, good. It's good to have you here. Uh, I'm glad you were able to find time in your busy schedule and that. I know it's a busy time of year for everybody. We're up to Christmas and that. It's murder. Uh, hectic, but you know, thanks for taking the time to speak to us as well. Obviously, this is mutually beneficial. Oh, yeah, of course, of course, of course. So, uh, let's kick things off. We're going to be listening to well, your latest single, although I've been told by a little birthday you've got a new single coming out, but we'll, we'll explore that a wee bit later. But uh, here is Son of a Taylor, which came out on the 15th of October 2021. <laughs>
we're back. So Graham, tell me, tell me a little bit about Son of a Taylor. Son of a Taylor was originally written two thousand and sixteen, I believe. Um, it is it's a song. It's it's one of very few songs that I have that I feel really it's got a real personal connection. Um, it's about my grandfather. Uh, or people or men like my grandfather to me my grandfather was he was my hero he was he was the greatest guy that I ever loved as far as I'm concerned yeah. and sadly when he passed away for me that was a massive hole in my life mm. and when people like that go the world moves on there's no massive tributes or memorials in society we hoard up people and celebrate people who, you know, have got their gear off on telly. Do you know what I mean? They're football players, mediocre ones. <laughs> no. um, celebrities now feel it kind of like, I don't know, what's, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, reality TV, stuff like that. These mm. people are all held up. They're all celebrated. And really, their contributions to society and even their contributions to you as a person personally are zero. But the people who have a massive impact on my life often go unnoticed. And kind of their, their heroism or what they give you in life often goes unsung. So that was me just trying to do my wee kind of bit to just to recognise what he gave me in my life and, and people and people like him. No. So in a way then that is your tribute to your granddad. I mean I think it's 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 hard to put a tribute into somebody and well a tribute into like three and a half minutes to somebody has had such an impact in your life. But I in a small in my way, the way that I can get out there and people can listen to it, you know, and maybe somebody will listen to it and it'll make them think about somebody. It could be a friend, now a work colleague, a relative, a brother, you know, it's it's just a big, if somebody else can get that same connection, then you know, it's a success job done. For sure. Listening to the song, I wouldn't have figured that it was a uh, like a your your way of paying tribute to your granddad. Uh, it's, it's a it's a good song either way. What can I what can I know say about it? It's uh, it's, it's it's nice to listen to. Uh, I was listening back to it this morning when I got up, uh, along with some of your other uh, tracks that you've brought out this year. Uh, yeah, like crazy. You've covered, uh, so that's one aspect, uh, finding your creation in that. Uh, find your creation, find your inspiration, sorry. Uh, what other fa- factors in- inspire you when it comes to creating music? My, my environment at that particular moment in time, um, you know, what's going on within my wee corner of the world, so what's going on maybe externally. So obviously the world's a big place, but we, we're on there and now, Get plane travel. <laughs> it's the world's getting a lot smaller now, so you know everybody's got a lot of information at their fingertips, and um, there's always stuff to write about. But for me, it is usually what's going on, run about me or how I'm feeling at a particular moment in time. Um, I mean, that's just in terms of what the the lyric or the kind of the emotion or vibe of the song's going to be. Musically, it's um, comes from a lot of different kind of areas. I mean, I'm a massive um massive kind of soul fan. Uh 
stuff like if you've got it, particular artists, people in general. I mean, I'm, a, I'm a massive fan of Weller. Do you mean, Frank, probably Weller's my biggest influence that got me into music, mm. actually playing music like Weller, Ocean Colour Scene, Oasis, very early Stereophonics. I had a wee bit, of, I loved the Stereophonics' first albums when I was younger, but um, the whole the whole kind of mod and Britpop thing is what get me into music. And then I started kind of, I was like Alice, tumbling down the rabbit hole. Because what happens is you want to know why they sound, the way they sound. No. And then you've got to find out, well, what was Weller, aren't you? What was Ocean Colour scene, aren't you? Do you know? Then you start realising that the whole mod thing isn't there a bunch of guys talking about with Parker's on with the who stitched on the back of it. It's actually... <laughs> A lot deeper rooted mm-hmm. uh, uh, and in black music, and that is a, so that would have been soul music, and then even further back, it would have been it would have been jazz. So, in the last 15 years, maybe my, my particularly, I'd say the last five years has been the biggest kind of broadened horizons. And um, I mean, I listen to all kinds of stuff now, no, because he listen to obviously. That journey to find the no find the source of the modernism, but if just just to find out what preceded the person before. So, like right now, I listen to a lot of kind of a lot of soul and a lot of kind of acid jazz. Um, yeah. a lot of kind of I'm listening to like Gil Scott Heron and um stuff of that feel. So the stuff the four singles that we put out this year with Solid Bond. The singles that's going to come next year are going to sound completely different just because they're totally subjective to what I'm listening to at that, that point in time. Yeah. You, you've kind of bit me to it, because uh, you brought it Hold On uh, back in January this year, mm-hmm. followed by Moving Up uh, mm-hmm. back in April this year. So and then we, we heard uh, your latest single, and then uh, you've got uh, another single coming out. Uh, tell us a bit more about that. So that uh, it's called Never Give Up. It's going to be released on the thirty first, and we kind of tried to jam. We were, uh, we were humming and hawing where it was going to go. Out. There's time constraints and stuff like that. And unfortunately, so saw that put it out. The target was this year that in our first year as a band, we wanted to put four singles out. Purely because we in twenty twenty. When the band was formed, we went into the studio just before Christmas time. So it would have been first first couple of weeks in December, actually, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went into HQ Studios in Glasgow, and that's run by a chap called Gregor McPhee, uh, who's a very he's very good at what he does, very talented uh, musician, first and foremost, multi instrument instrumentalist. Uh, and he's just he's good at he's good at recording stuff. He's a bit mad, you know. <laughs> I don't think you'll mind me saying he's a bit of a mad bastard, Bill Gregor, but um, <laughs> it, 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 it comes out with a good result at the end of it. So we recorded a bunch of songs, and they four were the best, and we went, look, let's put four songs out. Um, so we'll get plenty of content, because again, this was the band's first year, and we wanted to make sure that the time next year, or 2022 is coming round, when we're applying for like, festivals and try to go that next step, that we had content out there. Because yeah. with previous bands, the issue was always, well, isn't it? you've not got enough content out there. Then we get snubbed for a, an event because we didn't have a music video out. 
yet a band get selected that had one person who went to a particular establishment. The other three in the band had didn't attend that establishment. And wow. we were in a band that made up of people who all attended that mm. establishment. I couldn't have he drew that. So it's just something that stick with but uh, the song itself was written was written during the first lockdown. And it's a similar um it's in a similar vein to hold on. Same kind of thought that kind of retrospective thinking and kind of being grateful for for what you have or who you have. Mm. Um in this case, th- this particular song is like it's a kind of it's a wee tip of the hat to my wife because during the lock the first lockdown, like a lot of people, I was having some some bad days. Uh, you're up and you're down and you don't know what's coming next. And the news became a real kind of real source of dis- discomfort for myself. So it did constantly mm. watching it and you know. I was going to use the word sensationalised, but there was a lot of information going out there that didn't have to be gone out there. Then there's a lot of misinformation off the back of that. And uh, it got me really worried. I remember one day my wife just coming and turning the telly off and going, look, get the telly off. Let's never mind the telly. Let's never mind the world. The world yeah. doesn't exist outside what we've got in this house. And uh, one feet your shite music on, as she calls it, because she doesn't like the music cast. <laughs> and um, I just... What we started doing is we didn't watch news, we didn't bother, and it was more about spending time with us in the in the family and in the house, and you know just try to that made me realise the things that I've that I've got. You know what I mean? That it wasn't so bad. So, um, aye, that's where that one was trophy. No, no, uh, COVID affected us all, didn't it? Uh, Nicola Sturgeon doing a daily briefing. That that was that was surreal. Mm-hmm. Numbers just gone up in that. Crazy, but we won't uh, dwell on that. Uh, we're going to listen to two songs. Uh, we're going to listen to a song by the Stoned Immaculate called "Get Away," uh, "Get Away," Jody, which came out on the fifteenth of January, twenty twenty-one. Do all lose the shoes, smoke 
close the door Don't watch the news if you wanna have hope I'm lying fried in the countryside See the same from where I reside All there's birds about to pray loud What the gods sing about Graham, uh, thoughts on Get Away, Jodie? Uh, I liked this this wee track. Um, it reminded me very much, right, right off the bat, I felt it had quite an 80s feel, just with the kind of, with the vocal, um, and just the actual feel of the track. And the more I listened to it, I started getting kind of, like, flavours of, uh, like, the Libertines, um, and a wee mm. bit of Coral. Um, I mean, I don't really know the band, um, so I don't know if that's that will be a, an insult or a <laughs> or a, thumb, a thumbs up, you know. But that's what I go for it because that's what obviously where I can draw similarities. I thought it was. I mean, it's three minutes long, so it's it's no it's it doesn't go on, it doesn't drag on. It's got an old, it's got a good structure to it. Yeah. I think lyrically, I think there's some really nice moments. Um, I think sometimes people try to overcomplicate lyrics. And they try to have this big convoluted message hidden in a song and be really clever and then it just it sacrifices melody. But in this case yeah. it works really well. Like the the way this, the syllables are all delivered really well and it it flows it flows quite nice. So it's I it's it's, it's a really nice track. One of the one of the songs it's uh I agree with you, uh or, or your points, it's uh it's quite quirky as well, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. very very easy listening. Uh, uh, it, it reminds me of a band that we played with uh, called Speakeasy Circus, near a Glasgow band. Um, well, they're based in Glasgow, but the boys for Phil Phil Shop, and <laughs> they have a very similar kind of sound in terms of vocal, but the way they use melody and like the way they deliver, like how they articulate the the how they articulate their lyrics and how it's delivered and stuff like that. And so it reminded me a bit of them. I mean, they've got like brass and stuff like that as well. But aye, it's, it's, it's well written and it's a nice song. For sure. Again, one of the songs I quite enjoyed listening to uh, along with, I think it complemented nicely, listening to uh, your track. Um, when I was listening back to your three tracks that are out so far. So I'm going to listen to another song now. Uh, this is by Kira Watt. The song's called Ocean View and it came out on the 26th of November 2021. 
eyes autumnal starry nights feeling things I felt a year ago in constant waves trains getting delayed you are someone that hasn't changed like an ocean view I never tire of you and I feel safe sitting here in silence listening to you hum our favorite songs I ran from you as an act of defiance And honey, I know I've done you wrong But this time I won't Oh, this time I won't Two years on, but our story carries on remember a time without you then I'm just a product of these circumstances I can't change and my ghosts have never scared you away like an ocean view I never tire of Ocean view. Do you like an ocean view? <laughs> I do like an ocean view. It's one of my, my, my main aims in life is to, to own property next to the ocean, next to well, next to water. At least, well, I say water, no, like the Clyde or now <laughs> a nice view, like burnt out fiestas and shopping trolleys. Now, like, 
something a bit more pleasing on the eye. Um, this isn't the kind of music that I would normally listen to. Yeah. As as a musician, you've got to appreciate the talent that's that's in it. It's very well delivered vocally. It's very well arranged, well written. the The production on it is a it's a good quality of production. I I mean, as in the recording, the mixing, the mastering, it all sounds very nice. I mean, don't get I I listen to it over my phone, and it sounds it sounds quite good. Nice. So it's not that I've sat and listened to this through like fantastic speakers, but through a phone, I thought it was of a high quality. Um, I, I don't really, I don't mean this as, as, as an insult or a slight, but I can see it being used in something like a John Lewis advert. That's not a bad thing. That's a, that's a compliment. No, some, yeah. some people might think that's that's a bit of an underhanded comment or something, but I think it's 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 that it's got that quality of it. It's it's very kind of delicate. Um, aye, it's it's a nice ballad. Do you know what I mean? And it's um, like I say, it's not the kind of music I listen to, but I can really appreciate the, the qualities in it. And there is there's plenty of qualities in that song, especially for that genre. Um, Lassie's a really good singer, really good singer. I'm sure she'll like that. That you said that. I'm sure. I'm sure she will. Yeah, I can. I can definitely say listening through studio headphones. Oh, it's that it stands, you know, like if you thought it sounded good on the phone, it sounds even better with headphones on. John Lewis ad, that's, that's that's a good comment. I like that. I like that. That's uh, I'm sure that's made made her day. <laughs> uh, thank you uh, both to the Stone Immaculate and Kira Watt for your songs and that. Uh, greatly appreciated. Thoughts on the local music scene, Graham? What's, what's your thoughts on the local music scene in Glasgow? Well, the it's only something we've started getting back into uh, because of one COVID, uh, and before that, that I was playing on another project that was just kind of it was just starting to kind of get out and uh, day gigs. And before that, I'd been away from it for quite a, quite some time. But so far, what I've found is there's a couple of kind of strains. To the, live, to the live music scene in Glasgow, there is the the whole kind of DF concerts, King Tuts, Red Merle, which still seems to be what a lot of young musicians feel is the only way for them to get somewhere. Nice. Um, makes me sound better because I've said this in a few interviews. King Tuts is on my bucket list. We've applied for it twice and we saw the bond and only got a reply. So that means one or two things are shite which I don't think we are. Two, we're over a certain age and we don't play a certain genre of music, so they're not interested because they want young, impressionable acts to come in and they're going to dangle the carrot of sell one of the tickets for our venue and we will start getting you guys onto good support slots, blah, 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 blah. Seems to be the case. Um... And I also had a bit of hang stick in my crawl with that particular uh, venue as well. This is not the David staff or anything like that. Now, or people who work there and um, now pay the promotion work, but the gigs, this is just the whole thing run about it. DF yeah. Concerts is owned by a multi, multi million pound national uh, promotion company, and yet they were crying out saying save our venue. 
during the pandemic and had all the staff I'm led to believe on zero contracts and stuff like that. And oh, wow. So I was like, uh, don't quote me on that. This is just something, again, that I've got second-hand information. I could be completely wrong and if I'm up, I do apologise, but I just thought that was a bit fucking shit, you know what I mean? Um, the other side of the music industry is a lot of people doing like kind of DIY gigs and now places that are really are about putting the music on. So like 13th Note is one I've got to kind of mention. The, the, the higher fee they charge is virtually nothing compared to other places. No. They offer the great staff, the good size venue, and it's all about putting music on, getting music out live. There's, for me, there's not much of a soul scene in Glasgow, um, which is a bit sad. I think the indie kind of market's heavily saturated with young indie bands. But again, do you know what? It's heavily saturated, but who gives a fuck? There's Wayne's out playing guitars. <laughs> no, I mean, true. so it's, yeah. it's to me, it's like the last time that happened would have been like the late nineties, early two thousands, and then that's it kind of died a death for a while. So it's, that's that's a good thing. Um, there's a lot more uh, young female artists coming out and wanting to make music, want to go and play gigs, and that again, that's brilliant because it's a heavily male-dominated industry. So it's good that there's me and I've I've got two daughters. Do you know what I mean? So. It's, no. They ever want to get into music? That's good. That's that's refreshing to see. One thing, I mean, I was talking about kind of lack of a soul scene and stuff like that. One thing that does great me. I'm full of moaning today, actually. I'm just I'm <laughs> going to own a bloody tirade here. Um, <laughs> one thing that does annoy me, and I spoke about this the other day, is we are a soul band. I consider myself a mod, right? I'm a mod, I'm in a soul band, and we're on a kind of like the, the kind of modernist ethos, right? At least two or three years in the band, um, we're right into that kind of stuff, and we're into all the 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 soul music, the jazz kind of side, or that. Right? No. We went and done. This is this probably isn't just this scene. It's probably happens in other scenes, like, but I, I, I'm not in other scenes, so I couldn't comment. We went and played a few festivals, um, and no, you're not going to win everybody, right? I'm no. not stupid, no naive on it. And you get people come up to you and say, mm, wasn't really my cup of tea. All right, that's cool. Get people come up and say, I love that. Because we're playing original music at these things. We're not playing covers. And people hear the solid bond and right after the bat, they think you're still council cover. <laughs> which we go a lot as well. But that's understandable, right? To get that. What I don't get is people in their 50s who are mod revivalists, no original mods, mod revivalists, coming up to you at a gig and saying, why are you here? Well, I'm here to play music. Why the hell are you here? Well, that's that's no mod music. How? You tell me how it's no mod music. Because it's no it doesn't sound like this and directing you back to the past. Aye. That really it's good because the two interviews that I've done before I couldn't swear, but this one I can. That gets right <laughs> on my fucking tits. Because <laughs> if you're constantly looking back at something and referring to the past and putting people off who have wanted to be involved in that scene and like the past, the like all that stuff that you like, that they want to do their version of it and create something new and continue it and keep it going. If you're putting their people off, this thing that you love isn't going to keep going. It's going to die death. Ah. That So that was another thing that really pissed me off about the live music scene um, in that, that certain area. But, you know, the... 
there's a there's a study done in 2012 or 2013, I believe, and it was about live music in Glasgow, uh, in Scotland, sorry, and in Glasgow that year there was 2,080 gigs, right? Over half of them were in small venues. This is venues under 500 capacity, and there was a lot of other venues and gigs that didn't get taken in to that census because of the size of because we were maybe under 100 no. or under 300, I believe. Um, and the only reason I know this is because I done a BA last year and I, I wrote a dissertation on the effects mm. of live music and COVID. So, the obviously, pre-COVID, post-COVID, different kind of kept as a fish, but pre-COVID, the music scene in Glasgow was jumping and it shows an economy and a nightlife that's run about Glasgow because the majority is people... Travelling, hotels, trains, buses, taxis to go to gigs, to come home from gigs, paying tickets to go to gigs. People got to small venues and buying. They're going to uh, have food before it, buying drink at it and that. So it's yeah. a massive part of the economy and you can tell when a city's thriving because it's live music scene. Obviously, post-COVID, that's been a different kettle of fish. But look, we're doing, um, we're doing a gig with David Blair in room two. and I've done a few guys with a few promoters over the years and it's something that I generally they try to stay clearly but the reason I like working with Dave is because one he's very straightforward very transparent Mm. everything's above board and there's no kind of um, small print shall we say he's very clear on this is the deal this is what it is but He's a music lover and he loves putting on gigs and he loves music and he's done so well with that Room 2 setup this year to try, to try and get live music on. Not just for the sake of live music because mm-hmm. people rely on that for their jobs. Because live music is they're just four guys on a stage playing guitar. Live music is the sound engineer, the light engineer, the bar staff, the man at the door. Do you know? So there's a lot of these people rely on it as, 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 as their income, as a source of living. So He's really, in my view, tried his back to make that happen. So musicians get gigs again, musicians earn money, and all the people behind the scenes are all working and earning money. So hopefully a few other people can kind of take note of that and start trying to um, get on that bandwagon. And, you know, for it being through a promotions company, through through, um, a promoter, his ticket splits are good as well. No. I mean, there's some of them that have gone in there and say to you, right, here's 30 tickets, we'll no name names, here's 30 tickets, right, mm. the tickets are valued at um, eight quid, you give us a fiver, you take three quid, oh by the way, but they're still making about three grand at the bar, do you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, now, so, th- to me that's nonsense, and people go for it all because they want to play in a certain venue, or what they'll do is, they'll take the tickets and sell the tickets for a fiver, and give the venue, the promoter, the fiver, they make their money, order so they can sell tickets to get a crowd in to say, look, we sold a good amount of tickets to in your venue. Can you get us on your support slots? To me, that's paramount to pay to play. Mm. But that's another rant from another day. <laughs> certainly, certainly quite a dig at the music scene for sure. Uh, maybe room two will be the next big place compared to I King Tut's. Well, I think they've got everything. I mean, let's say, I like King Tut's as a venue. I, like, I love the history surrounding King Tut's. 
I've got nothing against the people who book the bands, who promote the band. It's just the 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 kind of level up the higher uppers. Aye. The the way that they run that, and it's all because they know they know that everybody's desperate to go and play there because of the kind of the Oasis connection '94. Then after that, you just had all these artists who have played in their venue went on to bigger things. They've not went on to bigger things solely because they played the King Tuts. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? I know and what you mean, yeah. There's plenty of venues out there. I had a discussion with a friend of mine during lockdown and we started talking about venues that we've got in Glasgow and venues that are used and like, especially COVID and open air kind of stuff. We've got bandstands that are sitting empty and never used. We've got town halls. These are massive, massive spaces that are never used and they're far better venues. Do you know what I mean? And they don't get used. Um, also, when people talk about like that's that's purely on a kind of COVID-related stance. So you've you've got these big venues and open air venues that could be used. No, the only downside with an open air venue is we stayed in Glasgow. Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> even in oh. July, you're guaranteed that it's going to push. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> For sure, I make sure you've got your wellies and umbrellas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, moving on, what's in store for Graham and the Solid Bond? I mean, um, for the rest of this year and then going into 2022? For the rest of this year, we are... So, next week, myself and Craig, uh, our drummer, who is actually very, very talented on the old, the old keys. So, me and Craig are going to be playing an acoustic support slot. Sorry, support <laughs> slot with Steve Pilgrim, who is mm-hmm. Paul Wells' drummer. So that's going to be Wednesday evening and that's going to be in the Hug and Pint and tickets for that are available via Steve's social media site, so Steve Pilgrim. Um, I think we still might get some links on our one and then that's just like the Solid Bond, at the Solid Bond on Facebook and at the Solid Bond underscore band on Instagram. Uh, mm-hmm. And then on Friday, okay, Saturday, sorry, we're playing in Room 2 and we're supporting John Rush John's just had a he's had a great couple of weeks as well. John supported Hipsway, his full band in the Battlelands, and then he released his a single, The Apple Never Falls Far from a Tree, and at number two uh, in the singer songwriter iTunes charts, just behind Sam Fender. Right. Um and then he supported Paul Weller on the Scottish Leggies tour. So John's had a good couple of weeks as well. Uh, so we'll play with John and another band called the Cahoolies who have recently just reformed after a 20-year hiatus and they've put out an album and they're also doing really, really good. They've been playing hundreds and hundreds of gigs to good crowds and uh, I'm really I'm excited to see them. So it's going to be it's going to be a good night in room two with three really, really good bands. We are we're bringing in a free piece three-piece brass section, so we're going to bring in a chap called Neil McKenzie, uh, who played all the horns on the recordings, and he's also done work with with John, he's done work with the Bison family, loads and loads of other stuff. Um, Mm. If you were to read it in Neil's CV, you'd be standing there like a town crier now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, oh yeah, just reading all his names. So we're bringing in Neil, a couple of his buddies, uh, and we're going to really go for it so we can get kind of some extra kind of groovy, funky soul going on. And tickets are also available for that via all our socials. And uh, 
I we recommend everybody to come down because it might be the last night out for a while. No, I, I, uh, with that Omicron variant, uh, starting aye. to cause problems. Who you can spell more on out of that box? <laughs> oh, maybe that's what they were originally going for. <laughs> mm-hmm. You never know. <laughs> uh, deliberately named, I would imagine. I feel like the Room 2 event, it needs to be filmed or something, like, because that's going to be a night to remember. I definitely. I mean, obviously that comes into costs. I mean, we've got to offset everything that we do live with how many tickets we sell. Right. The, it's been a funny year selling tickets, you know, and we, we, we understand. We understand that like, some people just aren't ready, especially this time of year. Some people just, you know, they don't want to take a chance. Now, we get it. We're all, now, we're all, we're all parents. We've all got jobs for sales. And I mean, this is now 95. Now, I've only. Um, so I sometimes have got in, you've got to pay a video so you can't have somebody turn up and go, here, okay, you a couple of pints. They've got to make, they've got to live, they've got to make money as well. No. So um aye. Maybe some people listening to this and buy hundred of tickets in we'll Hi <laughs> <laughs> folks, if you're listening, I definitely get a ticket because uh word on the street is it's gonna be a great night. And we appreciate see everybody that's came to see us this year and is partied money with tickets and they're helping keeping that live music scene going. Mm. At grassroots level, it's 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 them, it's the people that go to the gigs that make it. So as obviously you need the musicians, you need them. It's all it's all a symbiotic relationship, and it. The musicians need venues. Nah. Venues need musicians. Venues mm. need crowds. Musicians need crowds. You know what I mean, it's all it's really. I, mean, I know some of the things that I say has come across as heavily slighting. The, the live scene in Glasgow, that's no, that's just one or two small parts of it because there's thousands of gig goers who put the horn in their pocket uh, every week and they keep it all gone. And, you know, with the people coming to the gigs, there's absolutely no, there's, none of the rest that exists. No, that's, that's true, that's true. And that, that's a good way to put it, that it's a, a, a sort of symbiotic relationship. Because I, if it if it was too far apart, then well, you've got nothing really. So, aye, uh, here's hoping that this uh, variant isn't doesn't get as bad as it's been before, and we can keep venues open and keep supporting those local artists like yourself and everybody else in the music scene. Well, the thing is, I mean, if the Tories are having parties like that before, I know that that's came out. Aye, I think if you're trying to 90% of the population, they're going to turn around and go. Lockdown, fuck off. You had a party last year and I couldn't go and see my granny, do you know what I mean? So um hopefully it'll be all right. Aye. I'm just having a Boris party, okay. <laughs> if he can do it, I can do it. Aye, you know. Aye. Uh know that you should, but nah, it's I'm no surprise. <laughs> no party surprise. From, where is it now that you're saying work from home where applicable? Well party from home where applicable. There you go. There you go. That 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 should be the motto. This is my this is my party bubble. <laughs> That's gonna be a thing, isn't it? Party bubbles. Oh now we come on to I call it a quick fire round. It's never it's it was a quick fire round the first time I done it, and it's just stopped being quick because well it just depends on the person. I'm going to ask you some fun questions and you can take all the time you need. <laughs> fun uh, by whose definition? 
anybody's really <laughs> could be well i don't know you, you you'll find it <laughs> right aye. aye so we'll go with uh first one favorite food christ now uh i mean you might as well just ask me to pick my favorite child there man <laughs> <laughs> well, well let, let, let me let me word it in a better way what would you have right now yeah, if you're hungry, what would you what right would you now, yeah. Lunchtime. Oh, I don't know. Do you know what? It's something that I've not had for a while now. Took a wee kind of wee notion for again. And it's a toasty with cheese and ham oh. and pickle in it. Oh. And I went and got one as a wee cafe up the main street near where I stayed. And uh, me and my wife and a couple of weeks ago, they made us one. And it, I, I mean, I inhaled it. I don't, think it, I don't even know if I chewed it. I just, <laughs> and all I could think about for days and days and days was this bloody toasty. So, um, aye. Or I've been, I've, 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 I've completely bullshit now, buddy. Oh, I'll just go for a salad right now. <laughs> Sorry, I can only take your first answer, so it's a toast. Uh, <laughs> uh, food, favourite food, man. Me and I've got flat. I love a steak if it's done right. Um, but I also, also really love, do you know what? I'm probably going to say chana masala. So that's like a, a chickpea curry. Aye. Is, is is my favourite right now. But what I usually do with food is I, I'll get something like it and then just, just ride on that until the wheels come off. <laughs> and then it's like I'll never eat it again for months and I'll get something new. So it was like when I first had toast and avocado, I think I'd every day, I had that every day for about six weeks. <laughs> and then you find something else then so but right now it, it's a uh, can of masala and that was my guitarist Mungo that got into that because Mungo's vegetarian nice. and um, uh, during lockdown first one I tried to cut out meat I did successfully for quite a while then as soon as the restaurant sorted back up it was like he's a steak but um, <laughs> I generally try to have mere meat free days no, and I enjoy it, man, I know. And it was Mongo that kind of started giving me some different ideas, so kind of masala. Sounds nice. Sounds nice. I'll need to give that a try. Uh, Favourite swear word? <laughs> uh, well, uh, I feel like my vocabulary is made up of so many. <laughs> but right now, right now, it's got to be the word cunt. And I'll tell you why, right? Well, Some people think it's a horrible, foul word. I mean, down south in England, Jesus Christ, you say it in about 50 years, anybody, I mean, they stone you to death. But I was having a conversation where, mm-hmm. this was back in September, so my band supported Nick Corbin, and I remember saying it in the dressing room. I mean, he's a good cunt, and he looked at me, and he's like, so I had to explain to Nick, who's obviously from London, that in Scotland, the word cunt is not always used as uh, a derogatory term or now something horrible. It's actually a term of endearment. Aye. He's a good cunt. He's a sound cunt. He's an old bad cunt. And for that reason, it is my favourite word because you can use it to express such love and respect for somebody. Or, that he's a horrible cunt. <laughs> and it's something that, you know, you're, you're showing an explosive level of disdain and disgust for somebody. So, and it's only four letters, man. And it's, I, it's a beautiful word. 
It is. It is. It's uh, a lot of people seem to like it. Uh, As I say, so this is this is the fifth interview I've done, and out of the five, well, out of the four, four out of five, everybody said the same really. So it seems to be like that word a lot. I think I definitely think that it is. It's a. A West Coast of Scotland thing. I was going to say just a Glasgow thing, but I think it's a West Coast of Scotland thing. I think if you were to ask people for maybe out with that spear, then that goldfish bowl kind of, <laughs> they, they would um, they would definitely look at you twice, and they would probably think, "What an asshole." <laughs> <laughs> well, if all goes to plan, uh, the next interview uh, they're from England, so we're, I'll find it. <laughs> uh, I'll find it. What this is. Let me know how that one goes. Oh well, oh well. <laughs> That'll be hilarious. A most embarrassing moment, if you have any. <laughs> have any, God's sake, man. <laughs> Town crier coming back out here. <laughs> uh, right, I'll give you a, a recent, a recent embarrassing moment. Me and my wife were in London last week, and we. She's in the loving room. She's giggling. She knows what I'm <laughs> going to say, and we. Had lunch, had a really nice lunch, and we had to we had to move hotel rooms. So we were going to go out uh, and meet a friend and go for drinks and stuff. Then it was like, look, listen, why don't we go move hotel rooms first instead of coming back doing it tonight when we've had a drink? Mm. So we went into the reception in the hotel. We asked them, can you move his rooms? Absolutely no problem. We move his upstairs to. I bet it's a lot quieter. And we went in the room, started tidying up. We were in a bit of a rush because we realised the time and we were meeting, meeting my friend like, uh, kind of in a short amount of time. So we were like, right, we need to hurry up. And I just bought myself a nice pair of uh, black stay-pressed trousers and I had them all tailored in because I'm a wee bit wider at the waist now. But obviously being a mod, I still want that nice skinny leg with you know, short length for the trousers so you can see your socks and that. And, very fast, very fast. He's conscious as, as mods. Right. And um, so I had them all tailored and all that stuff. And I bent down to pick something up. When I say bent down, like kind of bent down like a squat and just boom, <laughs> opens his burst right out of the trousers. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> I'm looking and my wife said, it's not that bad, Graham. It's all right. It's not even that burst. Look. And I've kind of like opened up a limit. Look. And it was like the full undercarriage segment shall we say Aye. was uh, was gone so I had uh, a big massive hole in my trousers I was like right what did you get changed now and it was uh, uh, it was quite it was quite funny so it was um, and she's like I, you'll be alright just wear them out no no no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no so that was my mo- that was my my recent embarrassing moment Hey, as long as it makes you laugh, eh? <laughs> That's it. We don't laugh, you greet. I mean, so it'll be, I, might, I might be greeting when I take them back to the tail and go look, look, state these trousers, you know what I mean? <laughs> or they might be greeting. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you never know. <laughs> oh, biggest pet peeve. <laughs> biggest, sorry? What's your biggest pet peeve? Oh, right, what really pisses me off. Aye. God, again, there's so many. <laughs> Coming across really well, this I'm actually a quite cheery person. <laughs> Coming across as a complete arsehole here. Um, manners, manners for me is is a must. 
mean, I saw old man, you the granny or the granddaughter or your ma, whatever, say, well, Anna's cost nothing. They don't. I think we live in a society where morality uh, is is very, very low. I think people's kind of moral compass uh, is veered off to, to the wrong sides. And mm. simple things like, I just, I don't understand why what people find acceptable now, do you know what I mean? But I, Biggest pet peeve is manners. One in particular is when you open the door for somebody. No. And they walk right past you. Oh, aye. That aye. really boils my piss. <laughs> Takes two seconds to go, cheers. Thanks, mate. Now, aye. If you, now, if you walked in and let the door slam at your back, they'd be shouting and bawling. It took two seconds to stand there. Let them walk through and then just that wee bit of acknowledging. I just, Aye, that's um, that's definitely up there. So it is. Ah, a wee bit of manners goes a long way for sure. Mm, aye, please and please and thank you. It doesn't hurt to say thanks or you're welcome or whatever. You... <laughs> but I I get what you mean. It it's, it feels like it's a uh, lot lot of arseholes out there. Aye, aye, it's how Neil Gallagher says there's a quote that said the world is a beautiful place inhabited by arseholes. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I would, but the thing is, there's a lot of nice people out there as well. It's the, there's a lot of nice people out there, there's a lot of beautiful people out there with good manners, impeccable mm. manners. It's just that few, it's that few. It always seems to be that the case with anything, where it's football fans, there's always that minute cell or music fan, like you go to a gig and there's always somebody going to start a fight or fling pints of piss or whatever. Right. Um, so it's always the, it's the minority. So it is. That annoys us. Definitely, definitely. Uh, the last of the, the the quick questions: If you had your own cocktail, what would it be called, and what would be in it? If I had my own cocktail. Yes. Jesus Christ. Would it be just jewels, or if it was a band cocktail, like if it was a a cocktail you expected people to enjoy while they're you know listening to you perform and whatnot? Uh. Christ, that is a good question. Well, it was a band cocktail, I don't know, because my drummer doesn't drink. My bass player barely drinks now as well. He's kind of, uh, he's he's put some through himself through these, these kind of, he sets himself wee targets, wee challenges um, to abstain from alcohol for 72 days and read a book every day. And I think that, that's brilliant. It's brilliant for him. And yeah. you, can, you, know, you can tell the difference in him. Now, know that he's an alcoholic and all that before. <laughs> and then and I'm just sitting there going, why are you tossing yourself, mate? Why are you doing this to yourself, man? <laughs> uh, don't get me wrong, he's, he's, he's a lot better red than me, do you know what I mean? His waistline's a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have to deal with hangovers. But, uh, so I don't know about a band cocktail. Because... It could be a mocktail. It could be a mocktail. Uh... Uh, but then again, me and Mungo, the guitarist, we definitely make up for that because we drink like fucking fish. You know what I mean? <laughs> we um we had a we had a writer um at the March of the Mods, Ayrshire, and I hope Tommy or Bobby only listening to this, but there was um there must have been about six six cases of a beer and cider in there. And between me and Mungo, we probably drank <laughs> two or three of them. Um so I but then again, if Bobby and uh, Tommy Clark are listening, that, that wasn't us. I'm just lying there. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, 
I like a Bloody Mary. So I'm thinking about my favourite cocktails, what's in them. Do you know what I mean? I like a Bloody Mary. Yeah. I like a mojito. So if it was going to be a cocktail, I suppose it'd have to be something that was quite refreshing. Mm. Um, and a bit of a kind of Roll your cheeks in something, something about butter, <laughs> a bit like myself when I live music industry. <laughs> um, I, uh, I don't know, I don't know. I'm trying to think of the, the, the other components here. Like, uh, I'm going to think, probably already been done, but I would say <laughs> Grey Goose Vodka. I like Grey Goose Vodka. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like um, cranberry juice and a bit of lime. That would be nice. Plenty of ice, bit of mint, so something like that. Or um, I can't think, man. Because usually a cocktail, a cocktail. I'm no one for like making them up in the house and stuff. Like that. It's, nah. it's it's usually like red wine. I drink. If I'm up make some like rum, I discovered rum at like 35 during lockdown. I discovered rum. I made Barry Leach. <laughs> I was asking for drink recommendations. He said. Go and buy a bottle of Havana number seven. And uh, I was drinking that with um, ginger beer. And I was staggering about my back garden like fucking Captain Jack Sparrow. <laughs> Where is rum? So, uh, right. Sorry, long, long answer for a short question there. My, my cocktail would be something refreshing. Wee bit, wee bit butter, uh, plenty of ice, and uh, I sort of get drunk. And something that draws in the cheeks, eh? Aye, aye. <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's that's nice. What would it be called? Would it be maybe oh. something named after one of your songs or? Yeah, or... Well, we've about something that's it's got lots of lime in it and it's bit of butter. I'll just call it a bit of bastard then. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That goes along nicely with one of the previous bands I had on, and they called their drink the jazz. Aye, the jazz. Better fast up because um, King Tuts won't let him come in and fucking get fleeced for ticket money to play those. Only why I did. It's, it's only, only why I played it because Oasis played it, just to say that I've done it and ticket off the bucket list or not. But aye, a better bastard up, we'll go with that. Hi. <laughs> well, maybe we could get you in if uh, you, you, you could be a support band for one of the other bands, maybe. Maybe that could be your way in. Ah, you never know. Huh? You never know. Uh, it's mad the things that you, you put value in, but. Like, because I know that some of the bands that I like have played in there and it's always been something I've wanted to do and the whole the whole ticket thing and the whole kind of gripe with that um, that only came recently when I found out yeah. the way to work the tickets with a young band well any band that's in there I'd imagine would be similar and I thought that was a bit shit but um, apart from that if anybody from King Cuts is listening I'm sure you're all very nice people and um, I want to give a shout for a gig sometime you heard it here folks you heard it here Come on, get, get these guys a, a, a gig in King Tut's. They're, they're great. They sound great live. I've been to uh, I've, I've been to your event at the 13th Note, one of them. Yeah, aye, that's right. I remember. And just, uh, oh, I was I was happy. You sound amazing live. One of my biggest disappointments, you go to a gig in the sound shite live. <laughs> sound good recorded, aye. but in a live setting, it's a bit mm, mm-hmm. But well, no, you find them. Sorry, sorry on you go, Cameron. I know, I was just going to say, I use, use the problem. Like, aye, but you hear on CD, you get even better in person. Mm. Well, we've been obviously finding our feet because I've always been a guitarist in bands. I'm not a singer. I'm never going to come and say, I'm a singer and I'm a vocalist. I'm no. <laughs> it's never been something that I've done. And the band that was in 
post lock pre lockdown, sorry, wasn't doing it. Mm. And I was like, I was a lot older than Noreen. They were all in their kind of early mid thirties, and uh, I was obviously in my my early thirties. And I was like, I've um, I can't wait. And I've always been the one that wants to push. Like yeah. I'm I'm a doer. Um, sometimes it's my my own detriment with bands because people just kind of want to sit back. I'm like, come on, let's let do this, let's, and just get too obsessive about it. No. Um, but what happens is when there's successes, everybody shares in the successes, but when you're the one organising gigs, you're the one dealing with the finances, you're the one worrying about the finances, you're the one worrying about what people's got to have to practice these gigs, that's very isolating. And you end up resenting people. So I thought, I'm not one to resent anybody. At the same time, but why should I do all the work for shared success? I might as well go and date myself. I'm not the worst singer in the world. I'm not the best, but I'm not the worst. So it was kind of, that's where the solid bond came from. And I just asked some pals to help me out. And we kind of went, oh, why don't you start playing some live gigs? So it's, I'm still learning how to sing live, how, how it feels to be as the focal point as a frontman. Because I've always just been a guitarist on in the corner. Yeah. So the fact that you came out and you enjoyed it and it looked and sounded the part, that's obviously good because you would never have known that I'd never done that before. So no, that's, um, that's that's encouraging. Thanks very much for that. I know you're welcome, audience. and I'm, I'm quite. I feel like I feel like you are selling yourself short because you sound great live. Uh, I, I don't think you. I feel like you've been doing it for a long time. I don't think you're. It doesn't come across that you're still trying to find your feet, so to speak. Right. Well, that's, again, that's good. And do you know what? A lot of that's done to the musicians that's run about you. Mm. I would never be able to do anything like that, would they, guys? Everybody who's helped along the way, because we've had a couple of lineup changes. People's came in and out. People's done various bits and bobs. And it would never have happened and it never would have worked with them. I would never look confidence. But the lasses that came in to do the backing singing was really helped me. They yeah. gave me pointers, gave me tips, but, but, um, Bass player that was in the room, Michael, was in at the start, then left through work commitments. And um, I mean, mean, Gary came in, who was at Causeway, and Gary was the singer in the previous band that was in. And Gary gave me a lot of tips and a lot of help as well. So there's been a lot of people who's who's helped us out. But like, on the night, you've got to get you've got to get a good sound engineer, um, which mm. I always feel helps a sound engineer that's going to ask you questions and make sure that you're happy and you're comfortable. Boy uh, Jackson, who was the sound engineer that night in the 13th note, was just a really cool guy, man. And it's like the sound checks were running on a bit and the doors opening kind of stuff. And he was like, no, the doors are above the way. Make sure every band and every act is happy nice. with a sound. Whereas some guys might just go, right, I, how can you hear yourself? Right, I feel what about me on your monitor. Then you go, I, you don't turn it up anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> a, a good sound engineer is, is, is always key. And always making a good, always always make sure you go and find out the sound engineer's name, shake his horn or her horn, and now uh, make sure there's your pal because they have the power to make you sound very good or very very bad. <laughs> I will. <laughs> that, that, that's that's good advice. There that's sure. one thing. That's one thing I've learned. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've been murdered if uh, you piss them off and. Uh... You're not sounding great, but aye, no, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Never, never piss up a sound engineer. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, we're coming towards the end of the podcast. It's crazy. 
crazy, crazy. Time flies when you're swearing them. It does, it does indeed. It does indeed. <laughs> Where can everybody find you and your music? Right, well, they can find me right now and sitting in my dining room, you know. <laughs> Oh, that'll be uh, they can find our music, all our music on Spotify, iTunes, is it Geezer or Deezer? I think. Geezer. Aye. Could be called Geezer. Aye, aye. Oh, Geezer. Um, <laughs> all the usual and unusual streaming platforms. Um, <laughs> the social medias, they can find us on Facebook, and that's at The Solid Bond. And um, they can find us on Instagram, and that is at The Solid Bond. At solid bond underscore band, and you can search YouTube. We've got a wee YouTube um, profile channel. I'm not down with the kids, man. I don't know our lingo. We've got a YouTube <laughs> um, channel, and there's some kind of early live performances. There's um, mm. full length music video for moving up, which is if you like scooters and Northern Soul, check that one out, and um, some like kind of interviews and. Stuff like that as well. Uh, I think it's it's good for people to see you as well as hear you. And some of the stuff that's on there is a bit ropey. And <laughs> the reason, no, the reason we put it on is because we want to give a true account of ourselves. No evidence polished. There's some performances that are a bit fucking shite sometimes. But, but it's good for us as well to look back on and go, this is where we were last year. This is where we're at next year. Aye. Well, hopefully that's the case because if it's no, then you're doing something seriously. Right? <laughs> So in, in a way, then it's sort of uh, it's memories. So you can look back, you know where you were, aye, and how far you progressed. For for me personally, it's no it's no all about um, no no logging the musical kind of progression and stuff. For me, it's about once it's on the internet and thing. It's a great way of saving it and storing it, like you say, for the future. And mm-hmm. it's something that my daughters can access. Uh, well, my son's 16, do you know what I mean? And he's not really what to be searching YouTube for his, his old man, do you know what I mean? But yeah. um, it means that in a couple of years' time, when I'm sitting there and telling stories, my wings are going, no, you didn't, and I can go over him. Yeah, I actually <laughs> did. Now, uh, so I, it's, it, there's, there's that kind of uh, sentimental or nostalgic kind of side to it as well, do you know what I mean? So... That is one of every positives about social media. Um, the fact that you've got a place to log all these memories. And um, like obviously pictures are a lot like music, like a song. Like you can hear a song that you've not heard in 10 years. And it takes you right back to a time and a place and something that happened. Um, a memory where that's now a good, bad or different. And it's the same with a picture. Right away. You, might, you might not necessarily remember that right after the bat, but as soon as you see a picture, you go, Oh Christ, and it takes you back. So, mm. but pictures and videos and all that kind of stuff is very important. Is definitely, definitely, Graham. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for giving up some of your time in that to uh, well, uh, t- tell your tale. Uh, be, be the grumpy old man that you are not. <laughs> Well, see, the thing is, if I wasn't talking to you, I'd probably be sitting here thinking about a toasty. So you've done my waistline a bit of good. Well, there you go. <laughs> Even though we were taught about food as well. <laughs> uh, don't get uh, me wrong. I still, I think there's still time. I could probably make it if I ran. Well, there you go. There you go. The exercise. There you go. Aye. Keep, keep the waistlines. <laughs> oh, but no, thank you, Grim, for joining me. Oh, it's been a uh, pleasure, mate. Thanks for having us. You're very welcome. 
looking forward to the new single that's coming out, which is called again. Never give up, and it's out yeah. on the thirty-first of December. Could be a, a very late Christmas stocking gift, folks. You never know. <laughs> very, very late. Or an, early, or an early New Year's resolution is to listen to more solid Bond music. There you go. Support that that soulful sort of scene. Yep. Uh, we need to nurture it, folks. We need to nurture it. Thank you for listening, folks. We're going to end on a song that's completely, completely different to what you've heard already. This is Morgana with Goddamn Witch. I'm glad you can say that one here. And that came out on the 17th of September, 2021.